El Filibusterismo was a novel that paints a picture of society in crisis. Its pages were filled with struggles between opposing forces, masters and slaves, country and government, church and the people, friends and enemies. But how did Rizal resolve all of these deadlocks at the end? Let us continue our conversation about Rizal's second novel in this episode of Rizal on Air. This is Vekal Porja. This is Janet Aguindina Stelia. This is Aaron Maliari. This is Lee Candelaria. And you are listening to Podcast Conversations on Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Alright, so... Last episode, sinimulan nating pag-usapan yung El Filibusterismo at nagbigay tayo ng life updates ukol sa ilang mga tauhan na sabi nga natin ay tumawid mula Nolly hanggang Philly. Yes, pero napahapyawan na din natin yung ilang new characters kagaya ni Isagani at ang kanyang mga kasamahan na sina Makaraig at uh, Pelaes. No? At syempre, si Kabesang Tales at ang kanyang pamilya. So, in this episode, itutuloy natin ang pag-uusap tungkol sa kanila at ipapakilala natin yung iba pang mga interesting characters. So, just like our episode on Nolly, uh, itong mga kwentuhan natin on El Fili are in no way exhaustive. Siyempre, mas maganda pa din if you will read the novel and maybe just treat these episodes as a reading guide. Exactly. So, simulan na natin. I think medyo weird to as a starting point. Pero ako gusto kong simulan kung saan din natin pinutol yung episode last week. Sa kwento ni Kabesang Tales. O yung totoo niyang pangalan, Nateles Foro de Dios. So, last week, binanggit natin na very explicitly, tinukoy ni Rizal na yung kwento at trahedya ng buhay ni Kabesang Tales ay inspired kumbaga nung mga pangyayari surrounding the Kalamba Hacienda in the late 1880s. Ano nga ba itong trahedya ng buhay ni Kabesang Tales? Ang pangunahing pinagkukunan nila ng ikabubuhay ng kanyang pamilya ay pagsasaka. Ayon sa kwento, may piraso ng lupa sa gubat na tinaniman nila ng kanyang pamilya ng tubo o sugar cane. Tulad nga na nakasanayan noon, kung nakatiwangwang naman ang lupa at wala namang may-ari, pwede naman niyang taniman. At ganoon nga yung ginawa nila. Malaki yung naipundar nila para maihanda yung lupa at matamnan at sa hirap nga ng buhay ay namatay pa yung kanyang asawa at yung kanyang anak na si Lucia. Meron pa siyang dalawang anak, si Tano at si Huli na kasintahan naman ni Basilio. Dumating yung problema ng itong lupang kanilang sinasaka ay bigla na lang kiniklaim ng mga praile. Pag-aari daw ito ng simbahan. So, pumayag si Nakabesang Tales na makipagkasundo sa mga praile at magbayad na lang ng renta kada taon. So, ayun na nga. Dahil nagsimulang kumita si Kabesang Tales, napansin ngayon ng mga praile na kumikita nga itong pamilya de Diyos. No? At syempre, dahil nasa DNA na nga ng mga praile ang pagiging gahaman, diba? tinaasan nila ngayon yung annual fee. So, from 20 to 30 pesos, ginawa na nilang 50 pesos. So, Tales, no? sa advice na din ng tatay niya na si Tandang Selo, go lang, sige, binayaran pa din niya. No? And nagbunga ang pagsisikap niya at ng kanyang pamilya. 
no guminhawa sila he earned a good reputation among his neighbors in Barrio Sagpang and he was selected as kabesa de barangay so taon-taon actually pataas ng pataas yung taunang upa hanggang umabot na sa tumataging ting na 200 pesos so parang teka masyado nang mabigat yon mm. diba so imagine in a span of a few years 10 times na yung itinaas ng upa so Siyempre, pumalag na sila. So, nagprotesta na siya. Pero ang sabi lang sa kanya ng mga prile, uh, basically, if you cannot afford this, uh, then ibibigay namin sa iba yung lupa. So, it was a ludicrous idea, pero tinutoo ng prile and assigned one of his servants to take over the land. So, dito talaga parang nagalit si Tales kasi the clearing and cultivation of the land cost him so much. In fact, earlier in his story, when they were still working on it, uh, nagkasakit at namatay yung kanyang asawa at isang anak na babae. So, naturally, he was enraged. So, basically, he was like, uh, you know, who the hell do you think you are? Parang ganun yung mode. So, Kabesang Tales rebelled. No? So, he refused to pay a single centavo. Tapos sabi niya, Uh, magkakamatayan muna bago nyo agawin yung, yung lupa. So, Tandang Selo wanted to calm his son and convince Tales na kaysa ganyan, umapila tayo sa korte. So, appeal to the courts. Baka daw sakaling uh, doon may makinig sa katwiran. So, okay. So, pumayag si Tales and ended up spending all of his hard-earned savings paying notaries, lawyers, clerks. Tapos, he spent his days going back and forth to the capital and his nights patrolling his fields. So, Tales saw himself involved in a struggle never before seen under the Philippine sky. So, yan yung description ni Rizal sa novela. So, Indio versus the Friars. Pero despite everything, naubos ang pera niya, nagkautang pa siya, natalo pa din siya. So, the justices, fearing for their job and for their status, did not judge in his favor. Habang nangyayari ang lahat ng ito, yung anak niyang lalaki, si Tano, was drafted into the Guardia Civil. Tandang Selo was in grief and Huli got ill. And Tales did nothing but to patrol his fields, causing terror to the friars and the captain general. So Tandang Selo and Huli were always afraid that something might happen to Tales and his daily patrols. And indeed, isang gabi, he was captured by the Tulisanes. They demanded a ransom of 500 pesos. Napakalaking halaga nung panahon na yon. And Huli and Tandang Selo were at their wits' end. They counted all the money they had, sold whatever they could, and still, hindi aabot ng 500 pesos. So ang ending, a pious old lady named Hermana Penchang offered to lend them money, pero ang kapalit, mangangatulong si Huli. So she pledged herself as a maid servant para lang matubos yung kanyang tatay. Mm, so na-depress si Tandang Selo no? kasi yung kaisa-isa niyang apong babae na halos hindi niya hayaang mainitan sa ilalim ng araw, magiging katulong. No? Imagine. So he was depressed at siguro dahil sa grief, he became mute. Napipi siya. No? Uh, meanwhile, yung mga praile, pinapaalis na ang pamilya de Diyos sa lupa nila. At ito yung nadatnan ni Tales nang umuwi siya. It was a tragedy, no? And then he met Simon. So, ayan na. Simon visited their uh, town and lodged at his house. Dala-dala yung mga alahas niya. No? And there, nakita ni Simon yung isang locket na pagmamayari, originally ni Maria Clara. 
Okay, so bakit mahalaga yung locket na yan? No? So, it was a brilliant plot device na ginamit ni Rizal. Kasi sa Noli, Maria Clara and Ibarra was walking together nung pista ng San Diego and Maria saw a leper. So, pulube, pinandidirihan, syempre kawawa, ganyan. Uh, and si Maria Clara, uh, bilang isang pure and mabait na tao, binigay niya yung locket niya sa leper na yon. And years later, this leper was cured by Basilio. So, at bilang kabayaran, binigay nung leper kay Basilio yung locket ni Maria Clara. And Basilio then gave it to his girlfriend, Huli. So, kahit desperado na si Huli, nung when she was looking for money para sa ransom ng tatay niya, she never thought of selling the locket. So, when Simone saw it, talagang he wanted it and offered Tales huge sum of money for it, like 500 pesos. Pero nag-hesitate si Tales kasi alam niya yung sentimental value ng locket kay Huli and he intended to talk to Huli muna. Uh, pero ang ending, his anger and desperation prevailed. So the following morning, Simon saw that Cabezang Tales left him the locket and in exchange took his revolver. So that night, Tales murdered the friar Sindero, the new tenant, and the tenant's wife. So Tales blew up the heads of the friar and the tenant and stuffed soil in their mouths. Then the wife's throat was slashed and in a piece of paper they found written with blood was the name Tales. Simone was pleased with this development. Kagaya na banggit natin nung nakaraang episode, Simone really was agitating the people. In fact, he was sponsoring the Tulisanes to overthrow the Spaniards. So Simone only saw a great opportunity with Tales and his deep resentment against the system and the friars. Sa dami ng subplots ng El Fili, we dwell on the Cabezang Tales arc kasi sa tingin namin, mahalaga itong arc na ito sa novela because it Uh, embodies the political character of the Elfili. Pero may mga iba pang subplot na tingin ko nag-represent din ng ibang mga issue that Rizal wanted to expose and tackle. Halimbawa na lang, yung kwento ng mga estudyante. Kasama dyan si Basilio, si Isagani, si Makaraeg, at si Pelaes. Briefly, they were students at the university and they were mostly from middle, upper middle class and sa novel, they were petitioning for the establishment of an academy that will teach Castilian or the Spanish national language. Medyo weird itong campaign na ito kasi lahat naman sila marunong na mag-Espanyol eh. Pero ang intent talaga nito ay to force the implementation of some education reforms that were already decided by the Spanish government in Madrid. Kumbaga para sumabay yung kolonyang Pilipinas sa progressive educational developments ng Mother Spain. Kung tutusin, simple at very benign itong kampanyang ito, ano? and yet the friars still opposed it. They wanted to still thwart the campaign. Very interesting yung isang chapter actually dito sa Philly, yung chapter 14, uh, A Student's Lodging House. No, so owned by the family uh, the rich Makaraig. So boarding house siya and sa chapter na ito, Rizal depicted the life of the students in Manila during his time. So nakukulitan sila, naglalaro, 'di ba? And syempre, they were discussing political issues. Naks parang tayo lang. <laughs> so ayun, kagaya ng nabanggit kanina, the friars and some officials were blocking their petition para wala nang mangyari. So, eto depiction din ng struggle for meaningful education reforms in the colony, you know, which really was among the most important issues for Rizal and the reform movement. 
Pero anyway, so habang nangyayari yung lahat ng events na to, Simon kept himself busy corrupting the officials. No? So dinidemonyo niya kumbaga, urging them to commit greater and greater brutalities. So parang uh, double agent na parang sinusuportahan niya yung mga nagre-rebel, pero dinidemonyo din niya yung mga officials. So He was basically really brewing a revolution. Uh, talked to several co-conspirators and with Tales, who as a tulisan was now known as Matanglawin, started recruiting some rogue government soldiers. So the plan was, uh, it was basically to annihilate all members of the high society. At dito na mangyayari yung uh, pagpapasabog ng lampara. Uh, so, I'm sure yung listeners natin alam na ano yung plano dito. So, mangyayari to kumbaga, uh, wedding of the year. Sa kasal ni Paulita Gomez at anak ng isang mayaman na si Juanito Pelaez. So, ang pretext nito, basically, nagkaroon ng commotion sa Manila. So, several posters and flyers carrying subversive messages were distributed. At ang na-implicate dyan, syempre, yung mga sudyante. And Basilio was accused of being their leader and instigator. So, inaresto siya. Uh, yung isang kasama nila, the ever-romantic and idealistic Isagani was also implicated. So, kung maalala nyo, si Isagani at, at si Paulita talaga yung mag But Paulita was a very pragmatic woman and thought that, yeah, maybe she, sh- she would be better off with Pelaez because Isagani gets involved with these all kind of troubles and whatnot. So if you remember, only Basilio knew of Simone's plans and then he revealed this plan to Isagani. And Isagani, being the hopeless romantic that he is, at kahit na ipinagpalit na siya ni Paulita, he could not bear the thought of Paulita dying such a tragic and violent death. So he rushed to the wedding, he frantically looked for the lampara, which of course we know was an improvised explosive device, found it, and threw it to the waters just in time. In other words, Simone's plan was foiled and revealed. So Simone took off with the Guardia Civil hot on his trail. He ran, he was wounded, and was taken in by this very interesting character, Padre Florentino. So, parang ngayon lang natin mapabanggit tong si Padre Florentino, no? Pero sabi ko, interesting to kasi, while we believe that Rizal, essentially, he spoke through all characters naman of the novel, no? But it's hard to deny that to some extent, he was speaking through Padre Florentino in this particular part of the novel. Agree, no? Kasi alam natin na the entire novel was pure of dilemma, no? Kung tutuusin. Like, uh, is Simone's revenge justified, no? Are his corrupt ways uh, justifiable because he was actually seeking for justice? Now, I think yung conversation between Simone and Padre Florentino was Rizal's resolution, No? Anyway, so sino muna si Padre Florentino? No, siya actually ay tiyuhin ni Isagani, no? He was a retired priest. Indio siya but was highly respected by everyone because of his integrity. Uh, he was intelligent, kind and also very progressive. So ngayon, he was the person Simon talked to before Simon ended his own life. So, what was the conversation like? No, so basically he spilled all of his secrets to Padre Florentino. So, kinwento niya lahat ng ginawa niya the past 13 years at lahat ng ginawa niya since he came back to San Diego. 
his interests and his methods. So Simon asked Florentino, kung naniniwala talaga ang Diyos sa hostisya, why did he not let me succeed in my plans of basically attaining justice para sa lahat ng mga inapi? No? So, and this was Florentino's response. Pakinggan natin. Because you have chosen a means that he could not sanction. The glory of saving a country is not for him who has contributed to cause its ruin. You believe that what crime and iniquity have debauched and deformed, another crime and another iniquity could purify and redeem it. Fallacy. Hate does not create anything but monsters, crime, criminals. Only love brings in the end marvelous works. Only virtue can save. No, if our country is to be free one day, it would be not through vice and crime. It will not be by corrupting its sons, deceiving some, buying others. No, redemption implies virtue, virtue, sacrifice, and sacrifice, love. So, yan yung sagot at yung mga kritisismo ni ni Florentino dun sa piniling ways ni ni Simon. So, sabi ni Simon, okay, I was wrong, I did wrong, pero dahil ba mali ako, hahayaan na lang ng Diyos na patuloy na maapi yung mga tao at patuloy na mamayagpag yung mga taong mas kriminal kesa sa akin? So, parang yung... So parang so yung kamalian ko, paparusahan, pero yung mahabang panahon ng pangbubusabos ng mga prayle, hahayaan niya lang. So parang kinakwestiyon na yung Diyos. So ano ba naman yung nagawa ko kumpara sa mga pinagkapagawa ng mga prayle at ng mga kastila? So sabi ni Florentino, nagdurusa yung mga mabuti para yung mga kaisipan at mga experiences nila ay kumalat at mag-inspire. And Simon said, kaya nga, kaya nga ay stimulated tyranny. But Padre Florentino cut him off and said this. Yes, my friend, but it spilled more corrosive liquids than anything else. You fomented social decay without sowing a single idea. From that ferment of vices could only surge revulsion. And if anything was born from night to morning, it would be at best a mushroom, because spontaneously, only mushrooms can rise from garbage. True. The vices of a government are fatal to it, because it's death. But they also kill society in whose bosom they unfold. An immoral government assumes a demoralized people, an administration without conscience, rapacious and servile citizens in towns, bandits and brigands in the mountains, like master, like slave, like government, like country. So, I think ito yung sagot ni Rizal sa dilemma ng nobela. At tingin ko, it also represents Rizal's position on how could the revolution take place. So, consistent siya dyan. Kaya din, in hindsight, we can say that this reasoning informed Rizal's position on the Katipunan and the revolution. Parang never naman niyang sinabi na no or no to revolution. Ang lagi niyang sinasabi, hindi pa tayo handa. So, parang sinasabi niya na, Uh, the Filipinos need to prepare themselves for freedom. Otherwise, we will end up as tyrants to our fellows as well. 
Grabe, tapos kung iisipin mo with how history turned out, para may point siya, no? no? I, I mean, nagsimula yung revolution and ilang buwan lang matapos magsimula. What happened? No? The Katiponeros turned against each other. Uh, Bonifacio, Chodoro Plata, and other comrades were unjustly executed by their fellow Katiponeros. So, if we think about it, siguro maganda tanungin, is this what Rizal was warning us about? Na kahit handa sila with arms, weapons, soldiers, kung wala yung moral preparedness, hindi totoong magtatagumpay yung revolusyon. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So, I think mahalagang tingnan yung ending ng Ilfili sa ganitong paraan. As in, how it represented Rizal's vision and Rizal's idea on freedom and the ways that it should be achieved. So, tingin ko yung mas concrete vision na yan, mas mapag-uusapan natin sa susunod nating episode where we will talk about La Liga Filipina. Yes, so... That's it for our kwentuhan on El Filibusterismo. Tuloy natin ang Rizal on air next week. In the meantime, uh, kung magustuhan nyo ang episode na to, please share them far and wide on social media. Follow nyo na din kami sa aming Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We are also on YouTube, so please subscribe to our channel, Podcast TV. And also, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. You may also visit our website, That's podcast.org. So kita-kita next week and as always, have a good day.